Hey guys, before we get started with this episode, I have a quick favor to ask of you guys. Leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. It means a lot. We read out five-star reviews on the show all the time. So if you want a free shout-out, go ahead and do that. Also, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show to stay in touch with us, fill out our prediction game polls to compete with us. It's a lot of fun. Go ahead and do that. Links down below. Thank you, and uh, yeah, enjoy the show. Hello, welcome back to the Final Third Podcast, the number one soccer variety show on the planet, on the internet, in the universe, one might say. It is Monday. It is our news and predictions episode. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is AJ Tabura, a fan of West Ham United, the U.S. national teams, and Minnesota United. As always, I'm joined by certified Minnesota Vikings hater, Jack. Jack, how are you feeling today? Uh, pretty good. I mean, Chelsea won 3-0, to zero, uh, and Minnesota Vikings, they lost 33-34. to 34. So it's been a pretty good day. Pretty good day. Yep. Uh, as some people may or may not know, Jack and I both go to the University of Minnesota. Jack's a Packers fan. I am a Vikings fan. And go Pack Go. Yeah, well, unfortunately for me, unlike the Packers, probably tomorrow against the Detroit Lions, uh, the Vikings lost, and it was actually the second time today that one of my teams missed a kick. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Uh, Jack, it's it it, it it's been a weekend, one might say. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it, it certainly has. <laughs> I ask that because, like, do you, do you think this has been a very eventful weekend in terms of the soccer world? Not 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 particularly compared yeah. to other weekends. I mean, yeah, there, there's been some cool results, but a lot of uh, not not much really. I, I I was trying to think of a good word, but it's really not much. It, it, it's been kind of quiet, I would say, but compared to la- the last couple of weeks, where especially in the beginning of the season, like crazy results would happen, crazy news would happen. We obviously, had the Ronaldo transfer right. saga just just a couple of weeks ago. And now, you know, things have kind of quieted down, not to say that there hasn't been some controversy, some things going on. And I think we should be talking about that. As always, before we get to that, follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. I've been trying to tweet some more. Obviously, that's not always the case, not always something we could do with our busy busy, uh, schedule. But obviously, when big things happen, we tweet about them. So go follow us there. Give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. And yeah, let's start off in the newsroom. We'd like to talk about some of the big scorelines that happen uh, in the past weekend. Basically, the scorelines that kind of show a larger trend for one of the particular teams or a particular league. And so we have five games that we want to highlight and kind of talk about what happened there and what it tells us about the team. So let's start off with some Champions League football. Jack, Champions League kicked off this past week. We had like what 28 goals on in one day on Wednesday. Yeah. Were you watching? Uh on Wednesday, yes, because I didn't have class on Wednesday. So that was lucky great. guy. Lucky yeah. guy. Um so yes, I did watch some of that. And yeah, the Champions League kicked off with a bang, didn't it? I yeah. mean, uh very surprising results all around, and maybe one that's not so surprising. Not so surprising. Uh and that is FC Barcelona versus FC Bayern Munich, which is the first one we're gonna talk about. The kind of hallmark match of that group. Yeah. Uh, but, and also Barcelona looking to make some revenge after 8-2 to two, uh, just over a season ago. And did they, Jack? Did they get some revenge? No, not at all. Uh, it was, I believe, actually the first time 
in, in like a in a long time. I can't remember exactly how long that Barcelona right. failed to get a shot on target at the Camp Nou. First time, I'll I'll do you one further, Jack. Barcelona has ended this game without shooting on target for the first time in the history of the UEFA Champions League. I uh, okay, I knew it was a pretty long time. Yes. But- it yes. is the longest period of time possible. So, mm-hmm. And just to go over the score, uh, Thomas Mueller, Lewandowski, and Lewandowski again, right at the, the end of things in the 85th minute, uh, ended this game 3-0 to zero. Yeah, in, in Camp Nou, like, like literally in Barcelona's home. Very, very embarrassing. Not only did Barcelona obviously not get a shot on target, but as you would expect, they got destroyed in the XG race, 2.76 to 0.2. Barcelona just did not create as much chances as well. Four to thirteen. Bayern Munich just overall just bossed this entire game. Jack, what are your major takeaways from this? Well, I mean, it kind of shows that Bayern Munich, despite a rough start to their domestic campaign, are still very good. Yes. I mean, we knew they were very good, but still, I, I mean, there were some doubts by people here and there. Uh, but they're they're back and they're they want to reclaim the Champions League crown uh, from two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I I think they kicked it off right away. The usual suspects scoring as well, uh, and I I think that's like my initial reaction to this. Like it, I mean I I didn't expect anything differently, but I guess the way they did it was just so comprehensive that it was just surprising. Like Upamecano had one of his best games uh, for Bayern Munich. Uh, which which was really good for him. And, you know, Alfonso Davies was playing. Uh, I can't remember who they had playing at right back for that one, but I know it's not Benjamin Pavard because he's still injured. Uh, it actually was Benjamin Pavard. Whoa, he came okay. off in the 66th minute. Uh, my, my, I, I remembered he he wasn't playing the whole game, I guess. Yes. But still, uh, very comprehensive performance from Barcelona. And, or Sorry, from Bayern Munich, yes. which, uh, <laughs> which, we, uh, which we knew they were definitely capable of. And they just proved it. Mm-hmm. I think that this is kind of proof that Bayern are very good. I think it's also proof that also obviously Barcelona aren't very good. Just yeah. to look at our predictions last week, we both predicted that Barcelona would at least you know score a goal. I said three to one, or you said three to one. I said two to one. So we we didn't think it would be a shutout for Bayern Munich away from home. But you know, as it turns out, that's what happened. And Let's let's go over what Barcelona did specifically. They came out in the three five two with a backline of Araujo, PK, Garcia in the center backs, and Roberto and Jordi Alba in the wing backs. You're smirking because obviously that's how it's gonna happen. Uh, and as you can expect, probably given Barcelona's DNA, this seemed a bit defensive given what they are yeah. definitely used to with the you know the four three three fluid football that they're more or less known for playing with. Players were reportedly complaining that the setup was too defensive, and a lot of board members were not happy with Komen's choices during this game. And you know, obviously, when you look at how everyone did in this game, none of the backline performed very well. Uh, Terstegen, their goalkeeper, had a four point nine in foot mob ratings. That's what happens when you concede those goals. Uh, that's just what's going to happen. Overall. I, I look at this game not so much as a blip for Barcelona, but rather uh, a data point in a larger trend line downwards. And we have a lot of reports basically highlighting that Komen might be on his way out. A lot of the board are unhappy with him 
after this result, after the slew of results that he's turned in in the past year. And I, I, I don't know what to say right away, Jack. So what is your opinion about Komen getting sacked after this particular game and after the past season and a half or however long he's had so far? Well, I mean, this game in particular, I, I don't think anyone really expected Barcelona to win, given that it's Bayern. So I think at, because of this game specifically, it would be unfair. But combined with all the other results, I can't say that it would, wouldn't be a deserved firing, really. Uh, he hasn't been spectacular in the league. He's over-relied on Messi uh, in, the, in the past. In the table right now, Barcelona sit in 10th place, True. halfway down the league table. They've played a few less games than other teams above them, but even then, it's still not good. And their defensive record, their goal differential is three. Seven goals scored four against. They, it, they've only played, like, what, three games Three games, so far? yeah. Hmm. So they're still conceding more than a goal every game, which yeah. is not what Barcelona should be doing, ideally. Uh, I just don't think Komen is the right fit for Barcelona. I think, you know, it, and especially with this squad... He, he didn't build this squad in the right areas that were needed. He, okay, well, I think. first of all, first of all, yes, that is true. But I don't think that this squad is necessarily his fault, and that's why I'm going to disagree true, with you. True, true. It's not his fault entirely. And, well, I, I think it's mostly not his fault, because I'm pretty sure that most of these signings were either previous managers. I mean, you look at uh, players like, I can't, I, I can't even tell you. Like, I, I, I'll say... I'll say Araujo, Garcia, uh, Ter Stegen sometimes isn't the best. Uh, but even the, the the players that did get uh, bought under his supervision, look at Depay. Uh, De Jong, was he there? I don't even know. No, De Jong was there before him, okay. before him I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of those signings weren't necessarily his signings. I, I feel like the board has more of a say than he does. And w w when you when you look at this squad... And what he's inherited, I don't necessarily think that this is too much of his fault because do you really expect this squad made of of older players like PK and players that just aren't as good like Roberto Alba Busquets? He, unfortunately, he, he's a step behind things. Do you really expect that to compete in La Liga in the Champions League? Like give a fight at all to Bayern? No, of course not. And that's that's not his fault. That's like years of mismanagement. They lost Griezmann, Messi, and Suarez the past couple of years. None of that is inherently his fault. And so to put this on him, I, I, I don't really know. I don't really buy it. I think he's a really good head coach. And the, the biggest reason why I, I see this as a failure if, if Barcelona let him go is who is the alternative? Yeah, I guess that's true. There's Jack, do you have an alternative that's not named Antonio Conte? No, that that's that's available. That, yeah, I but I mean, Antonio Conte would if they can get him, then absolutely they should fire Ronald Koeman. If Conte is a if if they can secure like a contract for Conte, like let's say in the international break in October, if they can do that, then yeah, absolutely kick Koeman out. I like sure, they, I they guess. should. If you can get Conte to play he can turn like any team into into winners it seems like i i mean that that that's my take on it but I, but you're right there's not many alternatives mm -hmm. really out there unless they want frank lampard maybe uh, uh kind of a, a a downgrade to the most extreme eh. yeah okay probably. over yeah. coleman like coleman's not a bad man i mean they both kind of flopped in champions league uh games they got beaten pretty pretty excessively in uh 
in their Champions League Chelsea, knockout game. Chelsea are better than Barcelona. I will give Chelsea that, and I will give Komen that. So okay, right, we're talking about Frank Lampard. So that means it's time to move <laughs> on to another huge, huge, like crazy game in the Champions League. This is Manchester City beating RB Leipzig six to three. Jack, uh, right off the bat, are Man City the best team in the world? No, they're not. They're 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 they have weaknesses, as this game shows. Sure, like conceding three goals in any game is bad. It's just good that they happen to score six in order to counter. <laughs> like, and, and they haven't been doing excellently in the league either. But, you know, this, I can't deny that this was a strong performance from, from City in general. I, I mean, you know, Nkunku tried his best to get them back into it, but yeah, it was not enough. Got the hatchet. That's really yeah, impressive. Got man of the match on foot mob too. Yeah. Like, he literally did as much as he possibly could. But goals from Nathan Ake, an own goal by Mukiele, Mares getting a penalty, Grealish, Cancelo, and Jesus. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's too much to to uh, to compete with. Some great goals. Uh, yeah, I specifically remember that Jack Grealish goal where he cuts inside, hits it uh, right into the net. Like that, that was a great goal. Uh, Ake, great to see him score. He's, he's a great youngster. There's actually a story that he uh, his father passed during the match. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, like, I think it was 10 or 15 minutes after he scored. Yeah. So, which, so that's really good for Ake. I mean, that he got to do that before his father yeah. passed away. But yeah. O- o- overall, like this was, I'm not going to say a comprehensive win for City because uh-huh. obviously they conceded three goals. But at the very least, this is a very good uh, offensive display with uh you know a, a lot of their best players on the field they, they were missing uh, some of their even better players like i'm looking at phil foden uh and gundawan they came off the bench jack let's talk about rb leipzig in particular before we move on to maybe a, a little bit of what manchester city did right so jack what did rb leipzig specifically do wrong here to gift man city six goals uh, doing wrong here, it's it's not really a lot that they did wrong themselves. I mean, one, getting an own goal doesn't help. Getting a red card doesn't help. But the, those were isolated incidents, especially the red card being in like the 80th minute. Mm-hmm. So I think the main issue is that over the past two, three years, their transfer policy has literally just included selling off all their best players. Right. So it's not really something that they could have prevented by doing anything. It's just that they've done bad business. Or well, good business technically because they've made a lot of money <laughs> off of it, but they've done bad things for their club. Like this is not the kind of club that this is nowhere near the same club. I should I should even say that uh, made it to the semi or yeah semis semifinals. Yeah, of the of the Champions League in in 2019, 2020. So that that's a big part of it. Uh, I I really think it's it's just that because this is a good team. Tech like on paper, this is a fantastic team. It's just that. You know, they're they're just not working together right now. There's a lot of individual errors. The Mookie leg own goal, the Angelino uh, red card. Uh, Gulashi wasn't great either, making three saves. Uh, conceding an XG of 2.46. Mm-hmm. So faced nine shots, saved three. But yeah, it's it's not great. Like, I mean, there there's a lot of things that... They should fix in the in the long term, but in the short term, there's not really much they could have done better. Yeah, I mean, when you look at you know the, their past record with selling players, like I, I pulled it up: departures in 1920, Cunha, Bruma, 
Dam to Hertha, Berlin, PSV, and Napoli, respectively. Uh, in 2021, obviously, we had uh, Timo Werner going to Chelsea, uh, Lookman going on loan to Fulham. Uh, and then this year, of course, a, a lot of losses. Upamakano, Konate, Sabitzer. Uh, you can even mention Wolf uh, moving on to Borussia uh, Mönchengladbach there. I, I, I personally think there were some things that they could have done. Obviously, that's the case with everything. Uh, it, it's one thing to lose to one of the better teams in Europe and another to almost completely embarrass yourself, save for some Nkuku goals that were very good. I think a lot of it was just defensive organization. I feel like that was, uh, I, I, I feel like th- that is kind of a disadvantage with the Red Bull system, with their uh, very high press attacking style of football that they play. Uh, it it kind of leaves a lot of room for defensive errors. I also think Jesse Marsh is not the best head coach in general. Uh, I, I think RB Leipzig is a, a bit of a step up. I still believe in him. I still think he's a very good head coach. But all in all, I think that one of his weaknesses is that defensive organization. Because even if you lose Upamakano and Kanate, you still have, like you mentioned, some pretty good defenders that should be doing better. Willie Orban, uh, Klosterman's okay, Angelino, Mukalili, like all, all these players, even though they are an undeniably a downgrade to past defenders, this is not the type of result that should be coming from a team that's still as talented as this, still has players like Andre Silva, Daniel Olmo, uh, Tyler Adams, Forsberg, and Cuckoo, obviously, a part of that team, right? Like, this is, th- this is just everything that you don't want to see from a Red Bull supporter. And it really goes to show that RB Leipzig, as they currently are, I, uh, what, what, I don't even know where they're sitting, that they're painfully mid-table in the Bundesliga right now. It, they're, they're 12th. They're by the 12th way. Yeah. out of 18. Yep. That, that is exactly where you don't want to see them because this should be a team that is competing for Bundesliga titles, is competing with Bayern Munich for the title. And yet, because of you know, Jesse Marsh's you know, uh, kind of hard entry into the Bundesliga because of their departures, there's so much going against them that this is kind of what can be expected to happen but also expectations as a whole should still be higher given the club stature and all in all unfortunately that's just how it's all turned out so uh jack was there anything that man city specifically did that you thought was very uh, very uh impressive other than just you know be simply better than rb leipzig i i mean it's it's more it's it's tough to say i think the big thing is just kind of bombing forward with their attackers. Their wide players take players on, which is very good. And especially like, uh, you know, with Angelino, when, once he got that yellow card, taking advantage of that, using quick attackers with quick pace to get past him. It's a really effective combination. And, uh, you know, they, they need to sort out their defensive situation because something went wrong uh af- after uh, this past season i have a theory and it's called john stones isn't playing and he was very good last season <laughs> sure i could also use him for my fantasy team starting to play but regardless <laughs> uh, i i think that there's some defensive issue that needs to be fixed with city it, it, sooner rather than later yeah and i don't know uh if you just score more goals obviously you win so well who cares who whatever uh manchester city still a very good team 
Obviously, we'll talk about them some more in the predictions section. Let's move on to the next game that we're talking about, and that is Manchester United taking on West Ham United, uh, my favorite team, as many people know. And this ended up being 2-1 to one to the bad guys, Manchester <laughs> United. It was a, a Ben Rama goal early on, followed by a Ronaldo uh, rebound goal. A tap-in. In, tap-in, yeah. <laughs> Uh, n- not Pinaldo, uh, Tapinaldo. I don't yep, know. Yep. I don't know. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, and then it was a, a Jesse Lingard, amazing, amazing strike uh, to set them to to put them ahead uh, by by one goal right near the end of the game. And that, that that was that was a dagger to a lot of people's hearts because Jesse Lingard was a substitute coming into the game. He got a round of applause, standing ovation from <laughs> West Ham uh, fans because obviously he did help us get to. Europe get our best uh, finish in the Premier League in a long, long time. And of course, he had to be the one to finish his redemption arc with Manchester United. And it had to be against his former team, West Ham United. Unfortunate, unfortunate. He was the hero who lived long enough to see himself become the villain. Yes. Or the other way around. Or actually, no. In Manchester United's uh, hearts, he was always the low-key hero to them. So, whatever. Uh, And it it, it got all... uh, I, I guess capped off with a, a Luke Shaw handball getting called as a penalty. And Mark Noble came in. He got subbed on uh, to take the penalty. He missed. David De Gea finally decided to be able to save a penalty. After it was the 22nd penalty he had faced since he saved his last one. That's crazy. He was one of the heroes. And he managed to, him and Lingard, got uh, Manchester United single-handedly or two-handedly the three points at London Stadium. A huge, huge game. We predicted it last week. We'll talk about our score lines that we predicted last week uh, later on. But Jack, we talked about Manchester United a bit last week, talking about Ronaldo and how how much he changes this team in terms of their title chances. Today, I kind of want to hone in on the two stars of the match I already talked about, which is Lingard and De Gea. Lingard scored that screamer, the match winner, top right corner, incredible. He scored against West Ham, and he scored against Newcastle, right? Both mm-hmm. in substitute roles coming on off the bench. So in your mind, like, what is going to be his role with Manchester United? And specifically, like, do you see him staying with United, or do you see him moving on? Like, like what does his future look like for both club and for his own career? I mean, I feel like he, he has a future at United if he wants it. He's clearly making a good substitute impact, which is... Uh, pretty good, but at the same time, he's also made some costly mistakes. One specific one uh, in the Champions League. I'm talking about he's got an assist and a goal this week so far. So uh, an, assist for, <laughs> an assist for an assist for for an opponent's goal, but sure. Yes. Uh, so I don't I don't know because it depends. Is he going to be content with playing as a substitute, a super sub role? And it's important that he's not. He hasn't signed a new contract specifically because he wants more playing time. Yeah, so if, if that's the case, then he'll go somewhere else because I don't think he gets into this team over Pogba, Fernandez, Rashford, Greenwood. Like, you know, I, I or Cavani, Ronaldo. You know, there, there's not really a good place in the team mm-hmm. for him. At least not a starting spot. At, right, at, at a starting spot. Unless he wants to convert to be like a central midfielder. But I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, uh, in which case, that's not what Man- Manchester United needs. So I don't yeah. know why they would. Uh, I don't know if he wants to become a right back and you know replace uh, AWB maybe. But of course, yeah. like 
I, I, I just don't see in my mind a feature for him that's not, yeah, like the, the, the first man off the bench, super sub. Because I, I think both him, United, and probably Solskjaer, they all know that he's better than just a super sub. I think if he goes to a team like West Ham, not I'm saying that, that we're necessarily in for him or that, that would be a good move, but a team that might be a step down, but where he can be a star, I think that's a good move at this point of his career. Talking about De Gea, he made a great save on Noble's penalty kick, his first save in, what, 22 uh, shots that yeah. he faced from the penalty spot? Pretty good. And he's up pretty well this season, all things considered. So do you think that he's going to be United's first-choice goalkeeper going forward? Or is Henderson, who is 24, still the long-term goalkeeper vision that United have? Keep in mind, De Gea is somehow only 30. I thought he had to be like 33 or something, but he's just 30. Yeah, I mean, I think Henderson is still the long-term plan. I'm pretty sure of that. But De Gea, you know, Ole trusts him. For uh, and uh, it's worked. The the trust in him has worked, mm-hmm. uh, much like uh, you know another Spanish goalkeeper in Kepa. How uh, a trust in a manager has helped him, but we're not talking about Chelsea right now. Uh, you know, De Gea has done pretty well this season so yeah. far. They've only conceded four goals. I mean, it, it's he hasn't been good at keeping clean sheets, but he's made the important saves yes. to keep them in games and give them points. And you know that that is what you what you need from a goalkeeper. And you know, given the form he's in right now, I, I don't think you like you bench him or uh, or trade him sure. up for Henderson. So I think for this season at least, he will be the number one for the league for most Champions League games for uh, United. But you know, Henderson is definitely the long term solution for them because. Uh, that that's that they, they've made it clear that that's what they want. That's why they didn't send about on loan again. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think they want him there. So competing for that first choice spot. Yeah. So I, I think future is still Henderson. But for now, De Gea has the mm-hmm. spot. I, I did look it up. He has an XG uh, conceded like XG goals uh, against. So the expected goals that you would expect uh, would be scored against him, given like all the previous uh, stats on where goals have been scored at 5.6 he's only conceded four so he's obviously overperforming his xg against that's very good my question is is dean henderson actually that good i personally don't think so uh, i i definitely don't think he is necessarily premier league starter quality so it's that's fair that's fair yeah uh i i do have to uh, talk a little bit about that Mark Noble penalty because that is obviously a, a, a big talking point outside of uh, Lingardino's amazing strike. Jack, uh, I'm the West Ham fan. What, what's your take on him taking the penalty kick? Well, um, if you saw on Twitter, I actually uh, went to uh, a pub with uh, the head coach of Minneapolis City, uh, Matt Van Benskoten, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we we were talking about that. And, you know, he's a coach and he's like, I think that's probably the worst decision that could have been made. Subbing on someone just to take a penalty kick uh, is it's just something you don't do. And I, I get like there's kind of a sentimental factor, like wanting Mark Noble to get a goal in his final season. Right. But there's still time to do that. And don't sub him on just to take a penalty. <laughs> that that's that's a that's a really rough position to put someone in uh, for for any any type of player. It doesn't matter how old they are, how experienced they are. It's it's bad, and I think that Moyes should have thought that one through, especially when you had better penalty takers on the field. Declan Rice takes some good penalties. 
Um, you know, I, th- I think um, Thomas Suchek probably does as well. Ben Rama could, uh, probably could have taken w- one. W- was off at that point. Oh, he yes. was. Okay, sorry. I, 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 w- I wasn't quite sure about that. But Rice and Suchek were still on there. I think I think they would have been good for mm-hmm. for the penalty kick and uh, yeah I th- I think it's a really given how good Moyes has been recently for West Ham I think it's a really big managerial mess up to sub him on and tell him to go take the penalty kick I agree and disagree for a variety of different points I agree that it might not have been the smartest move I I, I would have been okay it being Rice or Noble just because. Well, I'll get to why I was okay with Noble taking it. Okay. okay. But I also have to mention that it wasn't necessarily Moyes saying go out there. It was specifically Noble being the man who's like, I I, I want to take this kick. And, uh, okay, and Moyes okay. allowed it, which you could, you could still criticize him for allowing yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, like like with uh, people have drawn parallels to the England final uh, against Italy. Slightly different, but... Uh, in, in the same way, the managers were still okay with uh, the, the the players taking those penalty kicks. When you look at our penalty record and who the best penalty takers are in the team, Mark Noble still is undoubtedly one of, if not the best penalty taker on the planet. And that's backed up by stats. He is, I think, the fourth most scoringest penalty taker uh in the premier league history and that is as a central midfielder he's also 27 for 31 which puts him second in the top european leagues for best penalty conversion rate second only by i think like one percent to robert Lewandowski. so it's not out of the realm of possibility that that the reason why we he you know took that penalty kick was because he's just not expected to miss it and, you know, as people have mentioned, it was not a bad penalty. It was just that De Gea, for some reason, decided now is the day that he wants to get that redemption arc. So I, I'm OK. Like if he made it, it would obviously be like a totally different story. Uh, and when you're when you're 36 year old uh, veteran who has made those time and time again against even bigger opposition in, in bigger moments, I don't know. Like, like it's unfortunate. These, this one of those games where you're like, yeah, Manchester United were just better. We played pretty well, but they were just like better in every way. Move on. Hopefully, we don't lose them this this upcoming week in the League's <laughs> Cup, but we probably will, and that's honestly okay with me because I don't care about the competition right now. That's just the way I see the Mark Noble uh, penalty. I really don't care, but I know a lot of other people do, and that's all right as well. Jack, are you ready to talk about some Juventus? Ah. Uh. I get to I get to make fun of them again, right? Yes, oh. we're, we're talking about Juventus versus AC Milan. Ended up being one one. Juventus are mm-hmm. in kind of a pickle right now, and because we have certified Juve hater on the pod, I'm gonna let Jack talk about Juve versus AC Milan and how uh, down bad in the relegation zone one might say Juve are. Jack. Take it away. Well, one might say they're in the relegation zone because they are in the relegation zone, which makes me so happy to see, really. Uh, but, you know, here here's the story of Juventus this season. They score a pretty early goal. We've seen this happen before in uh, in the game versus Napoli, I believe it, it was, where Alvaro Moretta scored in the in the 10th minute, but they still lost in this one. He scored in the fourth minute and they drew one one against AC Milan. So in in this, 
I, I think there's a lot of things going wrong for Juventus. One, their midfield, bad. Just, just bad. This is like the eighth time you mention it because it's it keeps, it, it, it on keeps being a happening. Problem. It's terrible. I mean, Bentoncourt and Locatelli. Locatelli should be doing better, but he, but I, I, he, he, he hasn't impressed me at Juventus so far. He had a great Euros, but has not been impressive at Juventus. Rabio again, not doing that impressively. Bentoncourt hasn't been impressive in general. Uh, they they deployed Quadrado as a right as a right mid as well, which is probably mm-hmm. where that's where he usually plays for Colombia. In all honesty, yeah. so it's not it's not a terrible decision, but uh, still, it, it it hasn't been good for Juventus for quite some time, and it's all because of that midfield. They completely lose the battle in the midfield. Uh, Brahim Diaz, Frank Kessie, and Sandro Tonali were able to assert complete dominance Absolutely. over that midfield. And that's why they lost this game. Also, Mike Mignon was pretty good in this game. He yeah, made like, three saves, which hey, were incredible. So much fair play to AC Milan. Yeah. It was a great game plan from them. Their players really stepped it up. Uh, Rebic, I think, was scored the right. equalizer. Yep, Rebic. Great game from him as well. Uh, Mignon, you know, uh, on his head, seemingly as always. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the... I, I guess, like, Juventus's defense... Hasn't been doing that poorly either. That that's that that's one of the weird things. They've been doing actually okay. Uh, Bonucci and Chiellini were doing okay, winning fouls, winning uh, winning duels. Uh, Alexandro not too bad either. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not progressing the ball forward as much as uh, Juve might like, but still doing solid defensively. Danilo was pretty good defensively as well, having the most tackles in the match. But Chesney, uh, as always, he he's. It's kind of unfair to to criticize him entirely for for these issues, but he he did uh, make two saves in this game. Not not bad, but the quality of the goals that he's given up haven't been good goals. Really, he's given up some pretty poor goals, mm-hmm. and he's made a lot of issues for himself. Uh, and yeah, I I think like there, there's a lot of problems, especially up front. Juventus don't have goal scorers anymore. Yeah, they, they have there's, there's only scored throughout this field. They've really. only scored one goal or more than one goal once this season. It was their first two-two uh, draw against Udinese. Yeah, they have a, so much trouble right now finding that second goal, and I think that's what cost them after they went up. You know, if they get one more goal, they put this away. Even if they can see one more goal, they have the momentum, and they just can't get that. Whether it's from DiBala, Morata, Kuluveski. Uh, and you mentioned this before, missing Ronaldo, who is the, their main output before, was a huge hit for them. Even if that's good for their financials, obviously competitively, it's not helping them right now. Yeah, I mean, Juventus have, the, the best game they've put in was against Malmo in, in the Champions League. And that's against Malmo. Yeah, exactly. exactly like, yeah. It, it, they, they won that one 3-0. to zero, And, you know, that, that's pretty good for them. But in the league, they've just been... Pretty awful. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I not I can't sugarcoat it at all. Can I highlight can I highlight Chesney's uh XGA? Yeah, sure. Uh six point two. He's conceded six. So he's he's right there. He's right on the money. He's mm-hmm. just uh every goal you expect him to concede, he does apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's obviously not what that one hundred percent means, yeah. but it goes to show you that he is uh not helping their case in keeping those goals out of the back of the net. Just from front to back, there is just so many issues. Jack, is there anything that you could really see Allegri realistically doing like between now and the winter transfer window? Because obviously he can like get some players in, but is there anything structurally that he can do in the next four months that can get Juventus 
not just back on track, because I'm sure they're going to be out of the relegation zone literally probably by next week, but back into that top four potentially cha- champion race. Uh, I mean, one thing that I would maybe think about trying is change out the keeper, see if it works. Really? Yeah, I, I, I really think Mattia Perrin is not a bad player. He, he spent two se- or a season uh, and a half on loan at Genoa. And, you know, he, he wasn't too bad in, in, that, uh, in, in those performances. Maybe not the most spectacular goalkeeper, but he did keep Genoa in the division, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, sure. Yeah, he, he <laughs> did. Yeah, I mean, he, he's kept them in the division because they were struggling a lot. So uh, I think that's kind of what Juventus need right now. They need a, a different goalkeeper because, you know, when a goalkeeper is not confident, it shakes the entire team. And uh, I think that's kind of what we're seeing with, with this. But also midfield-wise, I, I don't know what else they could do. Like maybe try a 4-5-1 and just try and put in another midfielder. Yeah. Because maybe for them, they don't, they don't have the quality in midfield. None of their midfielders are like top-class midfielders, in my opinion. Absolutely zero. Uh, so I, I think what they might have to do is just go for quantity over quality in this one and just try and try and fix it by doing that that's that's my best idea for for them really that's that's so tough yeah like those midfielders are just not quality like ravio like you mentioned is is just bad sometimes most times i should say uh i really have nothing to add other than i i personally don't think that there's a lot allegri can do inside within his control other than like pray that his players just find form uh, I, I think a lot of this is going to be like a wait and see to that w- winter transfer window or trying to like systematically change the entirety of their tactical setup to n- not be like so reliant on uh, the attackers to have like, I don't know, a four or five one, like you mentioned, like whatever it's going to be, it's going it's to have to be huge. It's going to have to be some sweeping changes. Uh, let's move on to the final game that we're talking about before we move into some real quick news. Actually, not until we move to real quick news. Didn't move to some other news, I should say. That's Atlanta United versus DC United. This ended up being a 3-2 win. Obviously, this is a big win for Atlanta United. I want to specifically just mention they've lost just once since the beginning of August and are now sixth in the East. Pineda, their new head coach, has got them looking dangerous on the ball again. I took a look back at their previous games before uh, uh, their previous manager got fired. And when you look at it, They've only been scoring zero, one, maybe two goals per game. And now in the past three games, 10 goals. Obviously, there are some great changes going on here. And you can really look towards Ezekiel Barco has gotten 11 goal contributions in nine games. Luis Araujo, who is playing just like you would expect a player who literally won the French League just last year. Uh, He hasn't gotten a foot mob rating under 7.1 yet. He's been completely instrumental to this Atlanta side. And Joseph Martinez, of course, is back to scoring ways with nine goals on the season. So, Jack, simply, are Atlanta United back, or is this just the the new manager bump that they're facing? I I'm not completely sure they're 100 percent back. I think they're close to to getting there. Their their defense can still be a little shaky at times, as we saw in both of the games against DC United, where they conceded one and two goals in those. You know, I, I mean, their, their defense has produced some shutouts, 
but they're not immune to uh, to some defensive lapses. So I think that this isn't exactly the Atlanta United we saw under Tata Mar- Martino, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, Martino. Uh, but it's it's pretty it's pretty close to getting there. It's right. it's I think the head the head coach change definitely helps. Uh, and you know Barco finding some form after the Olympics, right? Just really helped them. Uh, it's it's weird because Argentina didn't even do well in the Olympics, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, uh, I was talking to you know our, our friend and sometimes podcast guest host Reed, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, you know we the last time he was on here we badmouthed Ezekiel Barco, and ever since then he's just been doing crazy he's, things. He's so, on great form. Yeah, so I I think a lot of it goes down to that, and also having Joseph Martinez back. Definitely obviously helps. helps yeah. I'm not like I said, not convinced they're 100 percent back, but they're definitely on the way there. Mm-hmm. At the very least, they're on a route to get into the playoffs in playoff yes. contention. Yes, I, I think if it's one thing that I can appreciate uh, a change that Pineda has brought on, it's just I feel like the vibe and atmosphere around the club is a lot better. He's talked about you know, uh, uh, unlike you know previous managers, he's very open to having media come in and talk to him during their training sessions. I think he's actually talking about opening training sessions up to the public and having that become like a club tradition. So he's very much invested in creating a very positive atmosphere, not just in the locker room, but with the fans, with the front office, with everyone that's within the Atlanta United community, which goes a very long way in terms of building a strong bridge to his players. And I think it's, we're beginning to see that goodwill translate onto the field. All right, let's go into some not real quick news stories because we know that's coming up, but some more minor news stories because it was a, a slower news a week. The vaccines, vaccine plus a negative test requirement and the debate around that, the Portland Timbers, which I think was one of the, the main teams that popped up my newsfeed that were mm-hmm. doing it a, a couple, a month back, they have begun requiring vaccines or negative COVID tests to enter. Other places like uh, Scotland are requiring it. Some PL teams are requiring it. Some are doing spot checks where a random 10% of people get tested in order to help with the, the logistics of checking 50,000 people or so. Uh, many places in the Bundesliga and beyond are requiring proof of vaccination, yet many places have not done that. Namely, our local team, Minnesota mm-hmm. United FC, who recommends masks be worn and vaccines be poked into your veins, but yet nothing of actual policy leading to some supporters group protesting in whatever way mm-hmm. that they see fit. Jack, what is the right move here? Do do the requirement, require vaccines requ- or or a negative test, do it because it's public health safety. I I am very much a proponent of like the idea of vaccine passports mm-hmm. and like that kind of stuff. Because I think it's just smart. Like, you know, it, we want live soccer, right? And there's an easy way to make sure it's safe for everyone. And it's to make sure everyone there is is at least semi-protected against a, a deadly virus by, by getting vaccinated. And I think, you know, I, I feel like soccer itself, especially in the U.S. and, uh, you know, beyond, tends to be a lot more liberal or left-leaning. Yeah, fan progressive base. in the very least. Progressive, yeah. That, that's probably the better word. They, they tend to be more progressive. And I, I feel like a majority of supporters are going to be in favor of that. Like, I, I saw very little backlash against mm-hmm. the Portland Timbers. Yeah, especially in Minnesota United. Exactly. Where in Minnesota, it just so happens to be a pretty well-vaccinated state, mm-hmm. a pretty, 
you know, left-leaning state to begin with. So I, 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 I see no smart. issue here. Yeah, I think it's smart. Just do it. I, I, I think, you know, I, I like that the Bundesliga is doing it. In in order to get into France now, you have to be vaccinated uh-huh. for, from the U.S. Cruise ships are requiring vaccines. You know, it it's not abnormal for to require vaccines to get into places. To go to public schools, you have to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So before this turns into a complete, like, just... Soapbox, yeah, get, yeah, a, a soapbox. I, I just do get vaccinated, though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> like, AJ and yeah, I got yeah. vaccinated pretty much as soon as we could. Yeah, hey, you all should. Do you have the flu vaccine too? Yeah. yeah okay. I'm, well, hey. I'm going to get that one in next week. So, all I, right. Yeah. Yeah. Just get get the vaccine. Get any vaccine. Well, don't yeah. get any vaccine. Yeah. Just get, get vaccinated. Get the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Get the flu vaccine. You know. But regardless. I think clubs should uh, require a, a vaccine or proof of negative test. Can I ask you a question before yeah. we move on? Uh, there was news about the SPFL, the Scottish League, and the president having concerns about the logistics of it. And that's why the, the EPL is doing some spot checks for some teams where only 10% get checked. Uh, they've reported that it's going to take a lot of manpower to, to manually check everybody's passport. They said an average of 5,000 pounds extra per game, which... I mean, I mean, if you're a team who, you know, gets like 20,000 fans or so, that doesn't seem like too much. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there there still is something to say about how long the lines would be, how much like extra people you need to have uh, to make sure that the lines, you know, don't become backed up. And then you have your own like public health issue right there. What what do you say about that? Like, how do teams respond to that? Because that is that is a very pertinent issue within like the, the footballing world. Yeah. I mean, well, here's an idea. Um especially for season ticket supporters, right? Literally, like, make them submit a picture or, like, a scan of their vaccine card. They already have to show a ton of other information. And if not, then just don't honor their season tickets. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's, it's, I I think that's a, that's a way you could start with it. When you went to Minnesota United Games, like, in the beginning of the season, Mm -hmm. didn't you have to, like, before you uh, even bought the ticket, you had to, like, say that you were, covid negative or you had the vaccine yeah before uh so on seat geek at least i think okay. this was the their general principle or maybe it was just for allianz field but you had to fill out a questionnaire at least 24 hours uh or 24 hours or less between that time and the game and you had to fill it out in a test that said i don't have any symptoms for covid or i've been vaccinated against covid i i've had i've or i've had a negative test you had to attest to all of that kind of stuff I like it's not impossible to do it. It's just I I feel like it's just people are too lazy and worried to lose money. Yeah, which which is dumb because it's, it's over so public stupid. health. It's so public stupid. health. There there should be no too, cost that's too high. I think in the pursuit of public health. That that's my opinion. Hey, that that's that's absolutely absolutely true. I think you know we live in the age of technology. Why don't we use that technology? Exactly. exactly. It, it, it's not even necessarily like a breach on privacy because. You know, you're just buying. You're, I mean, you're you're just buying a ticket, right? Yeah, yeah. And I I feel like that an app or having to you know fill out a questionnaire saying like, oh, here's my COVID vaccine information. Uh, obviously, we had to do that to even get into university here. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's not at the realm of possibility. There are bigger things that matter than soccer, and I I, I don't think that we should necessarily be risking public health for soccer exactly yeah I, I think i i totally agree i think everyone should agree unless of course you are one of those football twitter heads who live and breathe football to an unhealthy amount <laughs> let's go on to some real quick news stories starting off with david Ochoa. uh jack you heard about this right i think so yeah 
I believe so. So RSL and I believe it was against yeah San Jose Earthquakes finished up being a three to four, and uh, <laughs> it's a quote of the day from David Ochoa saying, uh, "Well, Chofis, I should profess, preface scored a hat trick. One of them was an Olympico, so straight from the corner flag, he scored it right into RSL's nets, right past David Ochoa." And David Ochoa said, looking back at the tape, I put the ball into the, my net, so it was an own goal, and that guy didn't really get a hat trick. Uh, you know, I, I talk about David Ochoa, I've defended David Ochoa, but if it's one thing that I love and hate about him, is it's how, how riled up he gets about the sport. Don't you, don't you agree, Jack? Uh, I just don't like players who kick balls into the Minnesota United supporters. That is true. That's my opinion on him. That's all I'll say. And a lot of people defended him for that. And now look at us. We are all hating him for it. And, you know, bringing that up, uh, it reminds me of that quote that Adrian Heath said about him at the end of the game, which is he's got a lot of edge for a guy that's just simply not that good. And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) okay, if you're before, I know I'm going a bit long on this, but if you're going to say that, uh, no, he actually didn't get a hat trick. I'm just bad at goalkeeping. I don't think that's the message you should be sending. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what he said. Uh, all right. Uh, a, a bit of a somber note to, to balance that kind of silly stories that, uh, you know, uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League, obviously Philadelphia Union hosted the Club America uh, in Philadelphia. And uh, some bad news came out of that, which was a Club America fan got killed by other Club America fans. I believe it was five or six of them ganged up on one of their supporters uh, when they were at a bar in Philly, mm-hmm. and that is obviously unfortunate. I, I should mention that uh, you know this is something that is not normal here in North America, and obviously the beautiful game does not require you killing someone to enjoy it. Nor should it. I, I, I feel like that, that that's almost nothing statement I've ever said. Yeah. But hopefully, uh, those uh, that that person can be held to justice. And my 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 obviously my, my biggest hope is that Philadelphia Union. And Club America can uh, help support that uh, that family and also have some sort of memorial remembering him, even if it's something small, because that is to, to die in the name of the beautiful game is just uh, a very uh, a sad story to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, Jack, Carly Lloyd scores five in U.S. Women's National Team's 9-0 win over Paraguay. Did you watch this game? I did not because I was uh, I was at work, so unfortunately oh, yes. I missed it. But, you know. Five goals. She's not. She's not. She may be on the edge of retiring, but she's not done yet. Yeah, I, we're just gonna we're just gonna pump goals into her like at, at like every every chance we get. We, we put put a through ball in, put a cross in. Make sure Ronaldo can never pass her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, it, it, this kind of goes to Gianna's point a while back when they said, uh, uh, we sometimes you know many times uh, pick friendlies that are against not so great opposition, and what is yeah. that? What does that actually gain for us? Uh, not too much, obviously. Uh, entertaining goals. That, entertaining that, that's goals. Really does, but I, but if I'm, maybe not competitive. Yeah, if I'm being honest, after this, I don't know if I'm going to watch the game on Tuesday against Paraguay just because I think I know how it ends. I it feel could like be 10-0. It could be 10-0. Maybe, maybe Carly scores all 10 of those. But <laughs> I, I just don't think we're learning anything, which is kind of why you watch friendlies in the first place, other than entertainment. It was entertaining, but yes. Last story before we move on. Lucha Gonzalez, after four seasons with the FC Dallas, not the FC Dallas, that's the most American thing I could have said, with FC Dallas, has departed. He uh, took the club to two playoffs in the past two years, but never made it past the quarterfinals. They currently sit in 11th, seven points away from playoffs. Overall, I think it's the right move. I would love to see him 
potentially with the U.S. men's national team youth teams because if yeah. it's one thing he's good at, it's developing youth. Obviously, he was with FC Dallas for a long time. Uh, maybe not the best at the senior level. So, all in all, hope he lands on his feet. FC Dallas is too good of a team, too good of a market to really let up. So, hopefully, they get someone very good that can lead them to some glory. All right, Jack, do you happen to have a lower league lowdown at all? I don't, but uh, we 100% will next week. Yes. So keep an eye out for that if you want some good lower league news. Mm -hmm. Next week's episode is going to be a fun one. All right. Well, I do have to mention uh, Swansea City. Uh, we're down 3-0. to zero. They're in the relegation spots. I have a soft spot for them. I, was, I, I have them on foot mob. They came back to uh, tie 3-3. Three to three. So that was pretty impressive. I forgot. I, I want to say it's like... I don't even know. I'm, I'm going to say some name that like doesn't like Swindon Town, but I know Swindon's not. Swindon's a real team, but okay. it was Luden Town. Oh, so. yeah. Too many towns. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that, that's as far as I'll yeah. say. And I guess also Fulham lost again, Yikes. which was pretty embarrassing, to Reading. And now there's a new team on top of the championship, which is Bournemouth. Oh, wow. So, who knows? Maybe the Cherries could be making their way back up to the Premier yeah, League. In their 11,000 seater stadium, a, a really yeah. a, a real gem in a day of uh, uh, <laughs> 20 to 70,000 seaters. It does have charm. It does, it does have, have charm. charm. All right. Well, actually, I also don't have a U.S. men's national team corner because <laughs> if I'm being honest, there's not a lot of news other than just like players are playing for their clubs. Some of them are playing well. Some I'll, I'll give you something for it. Matthew Hoppy made his debut for Mallorca today. Came yes. On in, in the 60th minute. Scored didn't an offside goal. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say he didn't score a goal that was counted, but exactly. still showing that he, he he's ready. He's ready to, mm -hmm. to make a mark in Spain. I, I guess I can mention PFOC did score the, the oh, winner yeah, of course. against Manchester United, gifted by Jesse Lingard. How could I forget my favorite U.S. men's national team player? Yeah, I mean, it was it was an impressive goal. It was a very calm, collected finish. Uh, good reaction off that gift of a pass. Mm -hmm. And overall, I think it's just really cool to see someone who's going to, you know, play for the U.S. men's national team and also be a part of that club's, like, biggest moments. One of their biggest moments ever, beating Manchester United at home. That's huge. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's huge. And to see a U.S. player do that, really cool. Uh, I can't really think of any other players that played exceptionally well or terribly i guess john brooks got a red card earlier this past week uh not great <sighs> poor form from him overall like I, I really have nothing to say there's some discourse on twitter like there always is about about whether pulisic should start or or whether or not grant wall is a bad person like like <laughs> jack just almost spit up his drink like uh and this is what happens when we we're in between uh match windows it's just it's just a whole lot of nothing so next week i'll probably start talking about the october window because that's quickly coming up but for now uh enjoy this week off of not having to think about the u.s men's national team think about the u.s women's national team even though yeah. you probably don't have to because they're probably gonna the, win anyways yeah if if uh, I'm, i have a feeling that if they don't win that that will be part of the yes u.s uh u.s w slash m national MT team corner <laughs> yeah Let's move on to last week's predictions, Jack. This is, of course, the game where we try to predict who's going to win five big matches from the past week. Uh, listeners, you can also be a part of that. You were a part of that, I should say. If you go to our Twitter account, at Final Third Show, and go uh, find our tweets either on a Monday or a Tuesday, we'll be posting a, a, a five-tweet poll where you just have to fill out who you think is going to win and try to see if you can guess right and compete against us, see if you can beat us and become the better predictor. Jack, 
Can you explain to us the scoring system of this game? Well, you get 10 points for getting the winner correct, 20 points for getting the exact result correct, and zero points for getting none of that. So without further ado, let's start out with uh, FCB versus uh, also FCB. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the FCB Dari. Uh, so Barcelona versus Bayern. We talked about that in the scorelines. Finished 3-0 for Bayern Munich. Goals by Thomas Muller and a brace by Lewandowski uh, were the downfall for Barcelona at the Camp Nou. Uh, I guessed 1-3. Very close. I'll take 10 points. AJ guessed 1-2. Right amount of goals. Not the right result. So 10 points. And the listeners, of course, said Bayern Munich because no one trusts Barcelona. And they'll get 10 points as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, the next game in the better Champions League. I make that joke every single time we talk yep, about the CONCACAF yep. Champions League. It's Philadelphia Union versus Club America, the second leg in the semifinal. Uh, Philadelphia came in being down 2-0 to zero on aggregate, and they leave on 4-0 to zero on aggregate. This Oof. is a relatively close game. I mean, you can't say that Philadelphia didn't have their chances. They did have, you know, nine chances created. It wasn't like they were completely dusted by a uh, Club uh, America. So really uh, not necessarily the best game from them because they did uh, end the first half with, I believe, four to five yellow cards, which really, you know, made them have to play conservatively to not get uh, a second yellow and be a man down. And this all ended up playing into Club America's hands. Club America? Is it Club America? Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Club or America. I, or yeah. am I confusing no, Club you're, Beyond? Okay. No, you're All correct. Right. You're Thank correct. you. Thank you. I, I was afraid I'm, I was disrespecting America. Uh, it ended up being 2-0 to zero to Club America from a Bandetti goal, which uh, if any longtime Minnesota United fans are listening, this is the same Bandetti that we were chasing for like three seasons in a row, <laughs> scored against Philadelphia. Also a goal from Henry Martin. Unfortunate way to go out. Again, it's going to be another year, another Champions League, where an MLS team does not win. It'll be uh, Club America versus, I don't even know who they're facing. Uh, it's going to be, if I can check fast enough, against Monterey. I'll probably be cheering for Monterey, just because I think that they are a cool team. Man, the match is definitely Ochoa, who really showed out, made some great saves. Uh, too bad he can't make those saves against the United States men's national team. Uh, Jack, why don't you talk about some Liverpool and AC Milan? Oh, I should say, because uh, this is the biggest result, actually. Uh, Jack guessed one to one for zero points. I guess three to one, 10 points. Listeners guessed Club America winning for 10 points. I thought they'd go for the draw. Yeah, you thought they almost did until. Until they decided not to. Until they're like, oh, let's actually play now. They, re- they really said they, they just didn't want me to win. They don't want to see me win. Yeah. Well, but- Jack, this is uh, another game that didn't end up in a draw. Liverpool versus AC Milan. Take it away. Yeah, well, an exciting Champions League game. Uh, really, the most exciting one, I think, uh, out out of the out of the bunch. But you know, Liverpool versus AC Milan faced off at Anfield. It finished three to two, and it was quite an exciting game indeed. Liverpool uh, took an early lead off of a Fakayo Tomori own goal, which breaks my heart. Uh, <laughs> but AC Milan came back with some fire and scored two goals in two minutes to take it to 2-1 before the half. Rebic and Diaz making some goals off of pretty bad defensive lapses by Liverpool. Specifically, Trent Alexander-Arnold falling asleep defending on the Rebic goal. Uh, but yeah, it, it, and uh, Allison couldn't catch the rebound for the Diaz goal. And Rebic almost scored two identical goals. But either way... AC Milan went into the break feeling confident, but of course, Mr. Reliable for Liverpool himself, Mo Salah, 
he struck in the 49th minute. Beautiful goal, really. He uh, yep. he controls. Uh, I I can't remember what uh, what the what the pass was. A Divock Origi pass. Mm-hmm. He controls it beautifully. Takes it down and also atones for missing a penalty earlier. I almost forgot about yeah. that. He missed a penalty in the first half to make it two nil by the 15th minute. Uh, he doesn't miss many of those, so he atoned for his error there. Made it two two, and then of course, who else to save Liverpool? But their captain Jordan Henderson, who can who uh, takes a beautiful strike from the edge of Absolutely the box, beautiful, and curls it right into there. He makes it three to two. They see out the game, and Liverpool take a win at Anfield for their first game. Very good indeed for them. Uh, I guess two to zero for Liverpool. I didn't have much faith that AC Milan's attacking talent, but they proved me wrong. But I'll take ten points. AJ said one to zero. Yeah, uh, uh, pretty much the opposite. Yes, still got the ten points though. <laughs> yep, ten points still. And the listeners were on the side of Liverpool as well. So Liverpool really were not walking alone on this one. We all guessed that they would win, and everyone gets ten points. Yep, yep. Uh, let's go to West Ham United versus Manchester United. We already talked about this. Ended up being two to one for Manchester United. Jack said two to zero. I said three to zero. Uh, Honestly, I think I'd rather take the 3-0 <laughs> than the way that, that it ended. It was, it was I very, guess, yeah. It was emotionally painful. I I, I, I thought I thought it was going to be a 3-0 and be like, oh, man, that sucked. And not like the way that it happened. <laughs> uh, listeners also had Manchester United, so we all get 10 points. Jack, Chelsea versus Tottenham. We haven't talked about that yet. You went to Brit's Pub to yeah. watch the game with some Chelsea supporters. First of all, how did that go? Well, it was great, actually. For those of you who don't know... I turned 21 last month, so I had my first beer ever. It was actually good. Uh, way better than tequila, I'll say. Are, are, are you a beer man? I, I don't know. Maybe. I, I have no clue. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I could definitely see you being like a, an IPA guy, like likes to oh, go to breweries. No, no, no. I don't, well, okay. don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. But. I know, but, you know, it's in the cards. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but either way, it was great. Uh, I watched it with, uh, you know, Matt from uh, Minneapolis City, the head coach great there. Great guy. Great guy. Yep. Really awesome. Been on the show before. Uh, check out that episode if you're if you want to learn more about Heck lower yeah, league yeah. soccer. Why not promote an older episode in this episode here? But it finished three zero to Chelsea, and it did not look like it was going to be that way at the half when it was zero zero. And Tottenham had dominated most of the game, creating much better chances, uh, kind of really pushing Chelsea back. Uh, they had dominated the midfield, but Thomas Tuchel, being the mastermind that he is, saw this and was like you know what, we have one of the best game changers in the world on our bench and subbed on N'Golo Conte. And that completely changed the game. Chelsea, right from the outset, were dominating possession and they won four corners in a row, on the fourth of which, Thiago Silva won a header and put it into the far post past Lloris for 1-0 for Chelsea. But the excitement wasn't over then. Conte, somehow, he steps up to the plate he, he latches on to a Mateo Kovacic pass, and it takes a pretty wild deflection off of Eric <laughs> Dyer, but it rolls right past Lloris. He watches it because he's like, oh, it'll, it'll be fine. But it hits the post and rolls right on in. A, beaut- a, a perfect goal for yeah. N'Golo Conte. From someone who doesn't really score that exactly. many goals. Yeah. yeah, that's not really his job, but you know what? Maybe, <laughs> maybe it is Conte for Ballon d'Or time. Maybe. Oh, maybe. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's Jorginho for Ballon d'Or. Oh, we gosh. all know. But of course, what, uh, that, that wasn't the end either. Because in the 92nd minute, who else but the master of the dark arts himself, Antonio Rudiger, who's very, who has some interesting defending methods at times, 
uh, see for evidence Champions League final versus De Bruyne. Mm -hmm. But he came up with a goal assisted by Timo Werner, the most clinical striker in the world. I'm kidding. You're enjoying this way too much. I am. I am. I'm sorry. Uh, but he scores from almost the uh, from about 12 yards out past Lloris, and it finishes three to zero for Chelsea with all defensively minded players scoring in this one. So it was an entertaining game, but I guessed two to zero. So close to getting that right. But I'll take 10 points for, for that. AJS three to one again. Pretty close. <sighs> Uh, but he should have had more faith in the defensive uh, mindset of Chelsea. Yep, yep. But the listeners also get 10 points, as does AJ, for saying Chelsea would win. So the final point total, unfortunately for me, I was the only one who missed something. Yep. Uh, so it finishes for AJ getting 50 points. I got 40. Listeners get 50. That means me and the listeners are tied on points. And AJ is now 20 points ahead? Yes, it's currently 155. To a joint 135. Oof, I've got to step up my game yeah. with this one for sure. This is also the first week where we had one of us lose to the listener. So, Jack, congratulations on becoming the first big loser it's here. Fine. It's fine. We'll yeah. come back. It'll be fine. <laughs> Speaking of coming back, let's move on to the next week's predictions because we got a good slate of games coming up, a, a good amount of uh, diversity here, starting off with Seattle Sounders versus Club Leon in what competition? Why is a, a MLS Liga MX matchup happening? Oh, it's just the made-up competition, the League's <laughs> Cup. We've talked about this. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of this because it's kind of a nothing tournament for nothing stakes. But hey, you know, pride is on the line. Seattle Sounders versus Club Leon in, I believe it's Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So it's going to be on uh, the 22nd. Jack, who is taking <laughs> this uh, matchup? It's, it's kind of hard to tell, but uh, I want to hear your take. It, it is difficult because both of these teams are in very similar form. Uh, Seattle Sounders in all competitions have won three and lost two, whereas Club Leon have won one, drawn three, and lost one. Uh -huh. So it's kind of difficult to say. They're both coming off of tough losses to yeah. uh, to opponents, 1-0 losses. Can I say, can I yeah. say, I both looked at their lineups there. They both rested some key players, Seattle that in is particular. True. They did. So... It seems like they're taking this matchup pretty seriously. If I, that if that changes their mind at all, I, I I was going to back the MLS team anyway. I, oh, wow. I know I know it's risky. I know it is, but I'm gonna go for two to one for the Seattle Sounders. I I want to see an MLS club beat an a Liga MX team in a final, even if it's a nothing final. I don't care. I just want to see it happen. <laughs> that's so funny. You know you know why that's so funny, Jack? Because I said the exact opposite. <laughs> Dang. Uh, I, I am guessing two to one to Club Leon. Listen, Seattle are in great form, losing only twice since the beginning of August. And more most importantly, they have been taking this competition seriously. Throughout their the first two games of this competition, they've been putting in their starters. They've rested five of their starters uh in this past week against, I believe, RSL. They took that loss in stride and they're going to take this next game on Tuesday very, very seriously. The problem is, Club Leon stands in their way. And while they aren't the very best team in Mexico, they're still very, very good. To me, it's all about if Club Leon's defense can really hold up and if Seattle's offense can beat them. I, th I think it's a, it's a, a how do you say, not, a, not an immovable object meets an unstoppable force. It's a very movable object meets a pretty stoppable force in terms of attack versus okay, defense there. Okay. So I think it's going to be two to one. I can see go either way. I can see go to penalties. Who knows? But... I'm always going to go against what I really want to see, which is an MLS team win. So even if they do win, 
uh, Seattle Sounders <laughs> win. I'll, I'll still be happy even if I don't get the points. Next up is, and I promise this is going to be the last get Chelsea game we predict in, in oh, at no. least a while. No, I feel like we've no, done like three to four weeks in a row. Jack, Chelsea versus Man City. I had to include this because obviously it's like it's a big matchup. Yeah, yeah. A Champions League final rematch. Jack, is Chelsea going to win this one or not? I already know you're going to guess it. Yeah, so you, go you, ahead. You, talk you, talk yeah. about Chelsea. So Thomas Tuchel absolutely has Pep Guardiola's number, it seems. He's yeah. beaten him three times in a row. They're playing at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea. Uh, Man City have a massive injury crisis right now. It's actually crazy. Uh, they're missing Zinchenko, Laporte. Uh, well, Mendy's gone for other reasons. Yep. Uh, John Stones, Rodri. Uh, they're, they're missing a lot of starters in there. And Chelsea are just missing Pulisic. Also, Chelsea's performance against Tottenham showed that they really have a lot of metal, whereas Manchester City, uh, their performance was not that good this weekend. Uh, so I'm going to go for a Chelsea win. I'm going to say one to zero again, because why not? That, that's, what, that's been the result. <laughs> that has been the result two of the last three times they've faced off. So why not predict it again? I feel like it's either going to be 1-0 Chelsea or like 2-1 Chelsea if Chelsea win. So I'm going to go for 1-0 just because I trust the Chelsea defense. I think that Man City are okay. They're a good team, I should say. Uh, if they come out at their best, I'm talking Torres, Foden, Grealish, KDB, Gundogan, they'll probably do well. But Fernandinho, Sterling, Jesus, they're on pretty poor form right now. Yep, yep. Their 0-0 tie with Southampton at home this past weekend was particularly rough to see. Without a starting number nine, all the creative players need to step it up and really haven't seen like a, a, a bona fide output come out in terms of like a goal-scoring threat. And Chelsea are Chelsea. Jack already talked about them at length, so I'm not going to add anything else on. But I, I guess I will add this. They conceded just one goal from open play in competitive matches this season, and that was in the Super Cup, the UEFA Super Cup. So, you know, something tells me that they are a good team. And unless Man City come out firing in all cylinders, it's going to be hard for them to really uh, come back in a, in, in a meaningful way. So I'm going to say it's going to be three to one to Chelsea. Uh, oh, OK. I, I'm okay, guessing wow. I'm guessing Chelsea. I, I don't know. I, I just think they're better than Man City. I think Man City do have the power to. Oh, you have more confidence in Chelsea than I do right now. Yeah, That's I mean, wild. maybe that blows up in my face. and It's going to be conservative one zero win. But the way I see it, I think. Chelsea at, at the moment right now on current form are better in nearly every facet of the game uh, over Man City, manager included. No offense, Pep Guardiola, or I don't really care. <laughs> Let's go on to another big matchup. This is NYC FC, NYC FC, yes, mm -hmm. versus Red Bull de New York or New York Red Bulls, <laughs> depending on how you want to call them. Uh, this is an interesting one because if the listeners remember, we had this match on our calendar before, but it got postponed due to some heavy rain. And so now they're playing two games in one week. And so, Jack, the way that I decided to uh, do this, and I am just bringing this up on you now, is this going to be an aggregate. Oh, okay. This is going to be okay. over the two games that they're playing uh, this midweek and this weekend, over the two games. And it's, it's interesting because it's both home and away. So they're, they're, they're going to oh, be splitting boy. it. Oh, boy. So... Uh, just a, a quick recap on these two teams. The Red Bulls have only had two wins in 12 games. Stellwell and the Red Bull group have not built a team that can compete now, nor in the future. All the good players and coaches that come from Red Bull just move on, and it seems like a project with no due dates. Kind of went in on them, sorry. Uh, NYCFC, on the other hand, feel like a team that's trying to compete right now, although form has dipped recently. At least their two losses 
uh, were against good teams like the Revs and Nashville. They're currently in third place in the East. Jack, just in general, where do you, what, what, what on aggregate do you see this finishing as? I'm going to say four to one. I do not trust four to one to to, to New York City. Okay. I, I don't trust the Red Bulls in the slightest, really. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I like New York City FC. Uh, I think they're doing pretty well. You know, great players on the team. They, yeah, they Castellanos, seem, uh, yeah. I got to mention. Very yeah. good. Eight goals, I, I think, this season so far. And, you know, they while they have lost to uh, the Revolution, they also beat them recently as well. That's true. That's very and, true. And, you know, they pulled out a good draw against Dallas. They beat Cincinnati. Maybe not the most impressive. But Red Bulls haven't been on fantastic form yes they beat inter miami and yet yeah. yes they beat a struggling mm. columbus but yeah. they also lost the chicago fire yeah. and columbus <laughs> so i'm not trusting it I, I i'm not trusting the red bulls i i can't see many doing it either all right well do you trust arsenal because we're talking about the north london derby next in the premier league arsenal may have won their t- past two games but a uh, quick fact check here they haven't scored a normal run of play goal their fourth goal was an Aubameyang rebound. So, you know, right right place, right time. And their second goal was an Odegaard free kick goal. And so they got two goals against Norwich and Burnley. Against top opposition like City and Chelsea, they have stumbled. And Tottenham are also not doing too hot in recent weeks. Tying Wren in the Conference League and losing 3-0 to both Chelsea and Crystal Palace respectively. This is not the September that Nuno was hoping for. Uh... Uh, did I even mention my, my scoreline for New York City FC versus Red I don't Bulls? think you did, actually. Well, I was going to say. I'm right there with you. I should say 4-2 to two for NYCFC. I have literally nothing else to add. But going back to the, the two teams that people also don't care about, uh, <laughs> Arsenal versus Tottenham, I'm going to say it's going to be a 0-0 draw. Oh, boy. Because uh, okay. I just think they're so bad that they are just going to be, it's going to be a real stinker of a game. Or yeah. maybe it's going to be a five to four win for some of the teams. Here, here's the thing: it's the North London Derby. Both of these teams know that this is a crucial point in their season, and if either of them can pull out a win here, they know that's going to bring good faith to them. But they fans. also know that a loss would be too embarrassing. True. So true. Maybe they play for a draw. I don't know. I, I think they're going to go for it. the The thing that I'm going with, Tottenham are on bad form. They're playing players who are supposedly injured. Hyunmin Son had a calf injury before this and just was barely cleared to play. Yeah. Uh, And Arsenal, they're not on great form. Sure, they beat (laughs) Burnley and Norwich, but I... I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to trust Arsenal with it. I, well, I you don't. also don't want to trust Tottenham. I don't. You're right. I think I might actually go for a draw anyway. I'm, I'm going to go for one to one wow. for a draw. I, wow. I can't choose. I can't choose a side on this one because I think they're both, like you said, not fantastic. And uh, yeah, I. Sorry, Reed. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry, Reed. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I, I, I think that I think they'll both happily take a point from that. All right. Lazio versus Roma in the Derba della Capitale. That's right, not how you pronounce it at all. Capital, sure. Uh, Two new head coaches, Sarri and Mourinho. Roma have started out hot and won every single game so far, but lost to Verona this past weekend. Lazio tied uh, Cagliari, lost to Galatasaray in the Europa League, and lost to Milan 2-0. So we can kind of see who's on at least better form as a whole this season, which would be Roma. Uh, of course, it's going to be uh, at, at uh, I believe it's the Olympico Stadium is where th- they both play. Yep. So it's going to be a crazy, crazy match. I, I feel like it, it's it might get out of hand given how uh, good these two teams could be this season. 
I'm feeling a crazy four to three Roma win just because I, I, I went for the zero zero. I got to make up for it. I think this derby that's happening right now going to be a crazy one. Jack, how about you? I think Roma have built really well. Mourinho has been pretty good uh, as a coach. Lazio have, have stumbled quite a bit in recent weeks. Uh, you know, the, the loss in the Europa League to Galatasaray is tough. The loss to AC Milan even tougher. Drawing against Cagliari isn't that great. Losing to Hellas Verona, on the other hand, Verona has been a really tough place for top teams to play. Really? I've noticed. Where are they right now on the table? Uh, Verona. Not that it necessarily matters, because, like, obviously, like, if you're playing away to them, it's it's going to be hard no matter what. They're, they're in 14th, but they, like, his like in the past yeah, season or yeah, so, that's what I'm saying. Kind of yeah. tough to kind of tough to play against, so. And, you know, Roma showed good fight in that game, too. Mm-hmm. Lazio, on the other hand, in their losses to AC Milan and Galatasaray, showed no fight. And uh, for that reason, I'm going to go for Roma to win this two to zero. And plus, okay. you know, I hate Lazio. Sure. So I'm not hey. I'm not going to pick Lazio. Me and, you both. Me and you both. All right. Well, listeners, if you want to be a part of that, as always, at Final Third Show, find our Twitter uh, on Mondays and Tuesdays, and you'll see our poll to you know fill that out and, you know, potentially compete with us. So, yeah. Jack, anything else to say about uh, your predictions before we head on out? Uh, I'm. I'm not. I, I'm hoping I can do something good here. We we had a lot of the same things. It's going to come down to the League Cup final, and if blind faith is enough, I'm worried it's not. But we'll we'll go for it. I I I, I trust in Brian Schmetzer. <laughs> All right. Uh. Well, hopefully the rest of the MLS is with you too. Uh. Go check that game out. I think it's going to be a fun one. Jack, where can people find us on the social medias? On Twitter at Final Third Show. Check that out to find, of course, the prediction games for this week. So you can participate in all of that fun as well. And you can also, uh, you know, check out tweets that, that we have on there. That's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> uh, I'm very tired right now, if you can't tell for, from recording this. This is a pretty late recording session for us. Yes, yes, it is. So, uh, you know, check out some weird takes on there, some hot takes. Uh, see how AJ reacts when Mark Noble scores the winning penalty to beat Manchester United in the League Cup. Oh wow, uh, that'd be that that'd be a, a great uh, redemption arc there. It would be. So if 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 it does happen, you don't want to miss it. So make sure to follow us on Twitter. Yes, don't forget to give us a follow on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on Apple Podcast, Spotify. If you leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts, we just read those out. So go ahead and do that. It would mean so much to us. Checks out uh, on our deep dive episode. Don't even know what that's going to be, but it's going to be a great one. I can guarantee you that yeah. this Thursday. Uh, And we'll see you guys same time, same place for a very special news and predictions episode next week. All right. Go ahead and tell your friend, tell a dad you enjoy the show and we'll see you guys later. See you. Bye for now.